doesn't even need to be your own secrets that can get you killed. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tip, your host. Today we're going to cover the case of Skylar Niece while I drink my rosé. Hey. Skylar Niece was born in 1996 in Star City, West Virginia. She was the only child to Dave and Mary Niece. She went to University High School. She was very outgoing, very popular, straight-A student. After she graduated, she wanted to become a criminal lawyer. Her and Sheila Eady were best friends since elementary school, so like age eight. They were inseparable. Freshman year 2010, a new girl made the duo a trio, Rachel Showoff. She started going to that school and the rest was history. Thursday, June 5th, 2012, Skylar had to work after school, so she went to Wendy's and then came straight home, made small talk with her parents, told him that she was tired, gave them a kiss, and said that she was going to bed. The next day, Dave came home on his lunch break so he could give Skylar the car in case she needed it for anything. Since he was at work, he didn't mind sharing it with her. And he noticed that she wasn't in her room and it didn't look like her bed has been slept in. So he calls his wife and is like, where is she? And the wife says, I don't know. I haven't seen her either. Maybe she stayed at a friend's house. They start to call her friends to see if anybody knows where she is, where she was, where she was going, and nobody knows anything. But of course, first on the list is Sheila and Rachel, and they both said they have not seen her. They they don't know anything about anything. Her father later notices that there was a small bench that was propped up underneath Skylar's window and that her screen was missing, which he later found in her closet. They lived on the first floor, so I guess that's what she used to sneak out. So now he knew, okay, well, she snuck out last night. So he's almost a little relieved, but then it's like, oh, shit. She snuck out last night, and she's not home. So, of course, they're going to start thinking the worst. The next day, Sheila calls her parents' house, and she says that she needs to confess that she did lie to them the day before, that she had been with Skylar. She said that all the three girls snuck out, and Dave was like, okay, good. Like, I, I figured that part out. Now what? So she told her that they picked her up at 11 o'clock down at the end of the block, and that they just drove around. They went to a place where they would usually go and they wanted to smoke weed. They said that they dropped her off at 11.45, but at the end of the block, because then Skylar insisted on being dropped off there because she didn't want to wake up her parents or get caught. So now they're thinking, oh my God, what if she's been abducted? What in the hell could have happened from the end of the block to the house? So right away, they call the cops. The cops come over and Sheila, she also comes over and they all take a look at the neighborhood video surveillance cameras. And she said that she picked her up at 11 o'clock. They watched the videos, but they never see a car at 11 o'clock. They never see her there to pick her up. But that's when she tells them that it wasn't, she didn't pick her up right in front of the house either, that it was further on down the street. But as they watch the tape keep going, they do see a car pull up on the video at 1213. 
and Skylar is also spotted running to the car. And you can tell she obviously knew them. She's running to the car. She gets in the car and they just, they drive off. So now they're confused. So they're thinking, did Skylar sneak out twice? She went out with them, came home, and then waited around for another car to come pick her up? Unfortunately, the picture was too grainy to see a plate or any kind of definite make model. They just knew that it was a four-door sedan, but it looked like it was a lighter color. Her parents almost feel a little bit of relief knowing that she knew who she was leaving with. But once the cops saw that she left on her own free will, they considered her a runaway and they just put her name in the database as a runaway in case anybody came across her. Her dad, Dave, decides, well, I got to do something. I can't just sit around and do nothing. So he makes a Facebook page called Team Skylar, which ends up going internationally. Sheila's over there at their house almost every day. She's helping with flyers, you know, assuring them that it's going to be okay, that they're going to get her back. She knows it. They said that she gave them a sense of peace. It was like knowing that they had a piece of Skylar there with them. So they didn't mind that she was over. They, they enjoyed it. One day, Sheila shows up over at the niece's house, and she's very emotional. And she asked if she would be able to go sit in Skylar's room for a minute. And her mom's, uh, okay. I don't know. I just, I find that to be an odd request. <laughs> To knock on somebody's door and I, I just want to go sit in your missing daughter's room. I don't know. That's, that's just weird to me. But after some time, Mary decided that she was going to go check on her because she was in there for a while. And when she went in there, she said that she was just sobbing and crying and she was so upset and asking Mary, I don't know why she would do this. Things of that nature. How could she do this? And what about me? And... On July 11th, 2012, it's been four days since she went missing, and they get a call that there's been a sighting of a girl that looked almost identical to Skylar, and that she was with a redheaded girl. Now, Rachel was supposed to be at church camp, but she is a redheaded girl, so her parents are thinking, okay, well, maybe she blew off church camp and them two just decided that they were going to get away. So her parents start to pack up. They're getting everything ready. And then the phone rings again. And, and it wasn't them. It was two runaway girls, but it was not Skylar or Rachel. So now they're back to square one. When Rachel does get back from church camp, the cops definitely, they want to talk to her. So... They noticed she came off extremely nervous, and the cops realized that these girls just may be the last ones who saw her that night. You know, they, they already put themselves at her house. The cops decide they need to do a little bit more digging. So they noticed that there's a Sheets gas station that's near her house. So they go over there to see if there's any camera footage, to see if they can get a better look at the car. Maybe the car was driving by there. Maybe the car ended up going there. Maybe they needed gas. You don't know. So they go and check it out. They see the car going towards Skylar's house at 1230. The car arrives and by 1239, the car was already leaving, heading back the other way. They were still not able to get a plate number or a definite match, but they did get a better 
view of what the car looked like, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, like, you still don't really know what it is, but now you have more to go off of to figure it out. They decide that they want to take each girl for a ride, and they said, we're going to go to where you took Skylar. They're going to retrace where they said they went that night. Sheila goes first and takes them to the spot where they go and smoke, and she goes east. Rachel gets in the car, and she goes west, <laughs> and she looks terrified. I think she knows the jig's up. You know, she's still going to play dumb. But the cops are starting to... They know now that everything that they thought was wrong. Skylar did not sneak out twice. She snuck out once. And it was with Sheila and Rachel. And now they just... They have to prove it. Sheila drove a 2006 Toyota Camry. When they put it compared to the car in the video... It was a match. Sheila tried to tell them that it wasn't her car, but after some time, she finally agreed that it was. But then she had a whole new version of what happened that night. Sheila told them that they went to Blackville to smoke weed. Skylar wanted to go to a friend's house so they could get more. And she got mad because they didn't want to go. So she stormed off and just walked off into the night on foot. So Rachel's turn. She says that they went to Blackville to smoke, and then around four in the morning, Skylar wanted all of them to go to a friend's house so they could get some more weed. But Rachel and Sheila did not want to go, but they did drop her off, and then they went home. So again, very different. Now that the cops are starting to look at Sheila and Rachel a little differently, they're starting to make their presence known at school. Which gets the word going around school that these girls might have been the last ones that saw Skylar alive. The cops are there going through lockers, talking to other students, trying to find out things that they may know. It made the girls very isolated. A lot of their friends would say that they really wouldn't hang out with anybody but just themselves. And some kids started to harass them. Asking them things like, what did you do with her? You were the last ones to see her. On November 5th, 2012, Sheila wrote on one of her socials, No one on this earth can handle me and Rachel. If you think you can, you're wrong. I don't know if that was supposed to be for all her haters out there or, or what. December 28th, 2012, Rachel snaps. She just starts going absolutely out of control at her house with her mother. Her mother is completely frightened and does not know what to do. So she calls the cops and has her baker acted. I believe she was in there for the 72 hours. And as soon as she was discharged, she went straight to the police station and told them that she was ready to talk. It had been five months, five months since Skylar disappeared. She sits down with the officers and she just blurts out, we stabbed her. They are taken back because they were expecting an accidental overdose. They were expecting some kind of accident went wrong. They panicked, not cold blood murder. They did not look at these two and be like, oh my God, they killed her. It was more like, what could have possibly happened that was so bad that they were so scared to do something about it? 
Rachel tells them that this had been planned for months, that she picked up Sheila and that Rachel had brought the shovel, clean clothes for both of them, and cleaning supplies. Sheila was supposed to bring the knife. July 5th was the perfect day since she said it needed to be done before she went to church camp. And she was leaving for church camp that next day. They were all sitting around in a circle talking. They were getting ready to smoke some weed. And Skylar turned around so she could walk back to the car to get a lighter. And then they counted on three. They tumbled on the ground and they started to stab her. She said all Skylar could ask was why. It's all she said. Only thing coming out of her mouth over and over again was why. She did put up a struggle, though, because she was able to get Rachel's knife away from her and turn it around to stab her in the leg with her own knife. When they asked her, why did you do it? Her answer was, because we didn't like her anymore. They told the cops that they tried to bury her body, but... It ended up just being covered with leaves and branches and mud. January 16th, 2013, six months after she went missing, Rachel led them to her body in Wayne Township, Greene County, Pennsylvania. It was less than 30 miles from her home. It was a shallow grave, courtesy of her two best friends. They asked Rachel if she would wear a wire to get Sheila to admit her role in the murder. And she agrees to do it, but when she wears it, Sheila does not agree to anything. She plays dumb. So whether Rachel warned her beforehand, no one will ever know, but they didn't get anything off of that. When the news breaks of the body being found, though, Sheila decides she is going to turn into a Oscar nominee actress. She starts writing on Twitter, rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. I miss you more than you will ever know. Worst day of my life. Pain is real. When they looked into the other accounts the girls had, they seemed they had a double life. On certain social medias, they were very, very sad. They were grieving. But on other sites, it was more carefree and uplifting. Like in one social media, they're saying other things like, we really did go on three. And clearly, you can't be saying, rest easy, you'll always be my best friend. I love you more you'll ever know. But we did go on three. Really? When the blood comes back, being Skylar's in the back of Rachel's car, then they knew that they were going to make an arrest. And they wanted to go and tell Dave and Mary the truth that. Their daughter was murdered by their two best friends. They didn't want to have to hear it on the news or from anybody else. They wanted it to come straight from them. On May 1st, 2013, Rachel pleads guilty to second-degree murder. She was sentenced to 30 years in prison with eligibility after 10 years. She'll be eligible for parole in 2024. Sheila is arrested while she's walking out of a Cracker Barrel restaurant. After eating with her family, I believe it was, it might have just been her mother. And she pled not guilty at first. But I think as soon as everything was getting pieced together, she knew what time it was. And she ended up pleading guilty of first degree murder. 
And on January 24th of 2014, she was sentenced to life with eligibility after 15 years. So she's eligible for parole in 2029. Days before her murder, Skylar went on Twitter and wrote, It really doesn't take much to piss me off. And I'm sick of being at fucking home. Thanks, friends. Love hanging out with you all, too. Clearly, Skylar was starting to get pushed to the side. And she didn't like it. And she was starting to become boisterous about it. The day before she died, she wrote, You doing shit like that is why I can never completely trust you. They found a journal that Skylar had in her room. And she wrote in that journal that one day they were all having a sleepover. And she walked in on the two girls having sex at her house. And then she tweeted, not that long after, pretty much alluding to a secret that she had been hiding prior to her death. And she wrote, just know, I know. That was just on June 9th of 2012. She also wrote, I tell the whole school all the shit I have on everyone, which is a lot. And there's a lot of T's in that lot. And then hashtag, if I knew I could get away with it. Remember that saying, secrets don't make friends? Yeah, neither do murderers. Curious to hear what you have to say? Feel free to leave me a comment. I do want to give a special shout out to Nas Nas. And I want to do that because you left a very nice and uplifting message on my YouTube channel. And I just want to let you know that I appreciate that. And I thought that was very sweet. So shout out to Nas Nas. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can get your crime fix on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While there, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and give that five-star rating. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Head over to the CrimeOverCocktails.com official website if you want to check out the growing merch or if you would like to help support the show. All right, you guys. We'll talk crime another time. Bye.